Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. This is a beautiful morning. Does anybody have energy left? (laughs) Amen. Anyone sleep last night? I heard a no in there somewhere. We're going to need the rest of the Holy Ghost this morning. But I just want to thank Pastor and his wife for allowing me to come, allowing me to be here. I've gotten to talk to a few of you. But I know the first day I had some people asking, are you their daughter? Are you, are you family? Are you related? Uh, <laughs> I receive it. But I'm here as a friend, and they so graciously allowed me to come along with them to learn, to glean, to receive, but also to allow the Lord to just pour whatever he wants to pour in. And I want to let everyone know that I'm here under the submission of your pastor and his wife, also the submission under the Greens. Brother Green and his wife. And just like Brother Green said the first night, if there's anything I say that is out of line, out of spiritual authority, Pastor or Brother Green, both, or Sister Green, have the right to come up here and correct it, stop whatever I'm saying, because I am here under their submission. And that's a place of protection, especially as a a woman minister. Uh, It's very important to be submitted, otherwise there's no authority there. And so submission is the safe place, and I don't think it's ever out of order to vocalize that. And so we're going to go to the word of the Lord. Uh, Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I'm reading out of the NLT. I'm grateful that my pastor in Las Vegas, Nevada, where I'm from, is praying for me right now. He told me that I'm coming in his covering, and my mother is praying for me. And you know if your mama's praying for you, the Lord's with you, right? (laughs) This is what the word of the Lord says. This is Paul talking. He says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Someone say preach. Preach. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Why don't you point to yourself, say, God's given me a ministry. Point to your neighbor, even if it's all the way across the aisle. Say, God has a ministry in your life. Why don't we all, before we get into this, I'm going to be talking about speaking boldly. Speak boldly. 
speak boldly. But why don't, before we get into the word, why don't we all begin to pray one more time, ask the Lord to meet us in this place. He's already here. But Lord, I thank you, Jesus, so much for this opportunity we have to gather together and study your word. Lord, I pray that you would open up the ears of the hearers, Lord. Help us, God, to all be sensitive to your voice and your spirit that is moving in this place. Lord, I pray that you would open up the ears and open up my mouth, anoint these lips of clay, loose my tongue to speak what you would have me to speak. Let your prophetic word go forth in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In these times, in the last days that we are in, because how many of us know that we're in the last days right now? If you don't know what I'm talking about, just look at the news. If you look in the Bible and the New Testament, when the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, how do we know the end of the world is coming? How are we going to know the signs? Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. And he marked the end time by the word deception. He said, there's going to be a lot of deception. There's going to be a lot of rumors. There's going to be a lot of wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be a lot of fear. And if you look around on social media, rumors go viral all the time. Things that people say about well-known figures or political figures or even celebrities, they'll go viral even if it's not true because it's all based on emotion. It's all based on how we feel in the moment when we read what we read or see what we see. And so we can see what the Lord prophesied years ago is coming to pass right now. And the disciples had no idea there was going to be an era where we have tablets and iPhones and screens and Facebook. The disciples didn't know how it was going to happen. How is it possible that all people can worship one man all around the world? We have the capability in 2024 and beyond. And so in this time, when Paul was admonishing Timothy, because the word of God is not constrained to one particular moment of time, it is timeless because God is timeless. He operates outside of time. So because of that, when Paul was talking to Timothy, he was also speaking to us. And he said, there will be a time when people will heap to themselves. How many people do we follow on social media that are influencers? How many people do we watch on YouTube? You know, when you start doom scrolling on YouTube reels, you go, you watch one, you just wanted to see one small clip of a little puppy that was so cute, and then you just, your finger does this, and you happen to swipe up, and all of a sudden you're hooked, and you start scrolling and scrolling, and you look, and you're like, oh my God, it's two in the morning. I gotta wake up for work at six. What have I done with my time? We can easily heap to ourselves things. We become hoarders of media. And Paul said in the last days, people will heap to themselves teachers that will tell people what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. But he admonished Timothy, he said, but you, you have a commission. You have a responsibility. And your responsibility is to preach the word. Yes. Not preach what someone else said, not preach what you feel like might be the right thing to say, but preach what the word of God says. Now we can use this excuse and say, well, Timothy was a minister. Of course he's asked to preach, right? Of course he's asked to do these things and to admonish and correct and rebuke. But in the time that we're in now, where everyone has access to the spirit of God, we don't need to live with the excuse of, well, they're a preacher, so 
they can minister and I'll just receive. The Lord wants to bring us to a place where we're not receiving junkies. We're not hoarders anymore of spiritual truths, but where we become givers. That's a place of maturity. And every single one of us is asked to speak boldly what thus saith the Lord in the last days. Now, when Paul tells Timothy, you need to be sober, or in, in this version, he says, you need to have a clear mind in every situation. What that really means is avoiding all sort of drunkenness. Now, we know physical drunkenness. I pray nobody in here indulges in that, <laughs> in Jesus' name. We, we know that. that. That's a pretty obvious truth. But what is spiritual drunkenness? That's not referring getting drunk in the Holy Ghost or you're speaking in tongues uncontrollably. That's not what it's referring to. It's referring to self-control. Not letting your spirit get so consumed with something where you cannot rein yourself back. It's referring to addiction, even if it comes to addiction of the mind, where you're addicted to certain thought processes and certain thought cycles, or addictions to certain kinds of people where you have a fear of rejection, and the only reason you hang out with those people is because they give you some sort of acceptance, and you feel received in this circle. And those things can pull us into a sort of spiritual drunkenness, and we wonder why we're so emotionally exhausted all the time. We come to the house of God, and the word of God comes forth, and it's like it just passes over us, because we've exhausted ourselves emotionally and spiritually by drunkenness, by hoarding, and Paul told Timothy, he said, not just physically keep yourself in check, not just the outward, not just the way that you present yourself, but also in your spirit, controlling your mind, controlling your actions. This is how we're going to be able to preach the word of God with a sober mind, is through our self-control. You know what's, what a lack of self-control does is it brings you into extremism. And extremism will take away from your testimony. Because if you're on one extreme or the other, you'll always tell what the Lord has done in your life with a slant. Because you're not balanced in the middle. But the Lord always speaks to us in a balanced form. We're the ones that will go one extreme and then the other extreme, depending on what's going on in our lives. So what does it look like? How do we practically apply these concepts? How do we speak boldly? to our coworkers? How do we further the revival that the Lord has put upon us? How do we become ministers and not hoarders? How do we advance into a place of spiritual maturity in the world that we live in with so many influences and so many external voices where we only come to the house of God except for revival maybe once or twice a week and the rest of the week we're exposed to all the other voices in our lives? You know the difference between a parent and a child is the parent becomes a giver. The child is the one that's always receiving. The parent is the one that supplies the finances, they supply the credit card, they supply the Christmas gifts, they supply the clothes. Remember one time I told my dad something about my phone. I was a young, young teenager and I was like, Dad, my phone's not working. I need a new phone. And he's like, it's not even your phone, it's mine. <laughs> he said, I paid for it. It's my phone. But because he was the one that was providing, he was right. It was his. And sometimes we want authority in the spirit, but we're not willing to give anything. We just want to receive. We want to come and eat. We want to come and sit down and become spiritually fat. 
But the Lord, he wants us to start getting to a place where we're not just receiving. We need to receive, but we should be receiving every day out of the week because we have the Holy Ghost. We have access to the kingdom of God. And when we're out with other people on Monday after we've received on Sunday, we ought to be able spiritually and physically and emotionally fit to give and give and give and give. Because the Holy Ghost is a never-ending supply. We're not supposed to feel like we're dragging and we're just trying to make it to Sunday. And maybe we can make it on Sunday and then we'll get refilled and be able to make it the rest of the week. No, no, no. God doesn't want his church to live like that. He doesn't want us to be stumbling around saying, where's the next drink? He wants us to be solid in our minds, solid in our spirits and have strength to move forward. So what does it look like for us? Preaching We have to talk about what that means, first of all. Preaching is not what I'm doing right now. Preaching is not only standing at a pulpit with a microphone and delivering your testimony to the church. I remember one time I preached a message at a ladies' conference, and we had talked about the power of the Word of God. It was a message called Resting by the Sword. And we talked about resting by the Word of God, knowing that that sword is there when you need it. That's why you can rest, because you can trust in what the Bible says. And there wasn't really much response happening. And the Lord spoke to me, said, I want you to go down and start giving the mic to certain ladies, letting them read passages of scripture. I never done anything like that before in my life. I didn't know what that was going to turn out to be. So I found one sister. I thought, okay, she looks like she could throw down. (laughs) She looks like she can really read the Bible. So I told her, I said, do you have a scripture? She said, yes. I gave her the mic. She began reading that scripture. All of a sudden she stopped. She started speaking in tongues. God delivered her right there. Went to the next woman. She started reading the word of God. And all of a sudden, the power of God fell on her. And she began weeping and crying. God delivered her. And it would happen from individual to individual. The Lord began to work through his word. But there were some people that were standing in their rows. And they were looking at my mic. Can I, can I, can I, t- can I have the... And sometimes that's how we live for the Lord. We're waiting for a moment where we can have the mic. We can have an opportunity to share something in the setting of the church. We'll have an opportunity where we can stand up with corporate faith because it's easy. And I'm not bashing that. We need that. There is a time for that. But preaching mostly is not here. Preaching mostly is out there. You preach through your lifestyle. You preach through the way you speak to people. You preach through your facial expressions. You preach through the way you act in a crisis. That's the way that we preach in the 21st century. It's not always standing on a soapbox. When I was in college, we had an area called the free speech zone. There would be people that set up booths all along the free speech zone. And so you'd walk down and you'd hear all sorts of things from either side. So I'd be walking down. There was such a spirit of confusion there. And you'd hear on one side, come and join the 1980s disco club. We're going to have a party tonight. And then on the other side, come and worship the moon god. Find your identity in the stars, right? And you hear all these people. And one day there was a man standing on a box and he was saying, judgment is coming. You need to turn away from your sins. Anybody ever seen someone do that? You stand with, they stand with that speaker and they're crying out. And I remember passing two students and they were like, hey, if I go to hell, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he can say whatever he wants to. That kind of preaching isn't what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the preaching that comes through the Holy Ghost in you. The preaching that comes through the peace that people see in you. 
my mom was at a restaurant one day and she had just finished ordering and she was going to the counter and getting ready to pay after the meal and these two ladies walked up to her and they just stared at her and she looked and she was like can I can I help you what is it you need and they said we just noticed you have so much peace they said is that real and she said yes it is real and they said can we hug you They said, we've never seen that kind of peace in someone's face. That's preaching. That's a testimony. That is letting those around you know God is real. You can't buy this peace. You can't buy this joy. You can't buy these fruit of the Spirit. You know, when a tree has matured, when it's, it's growing, because this, this kind of development in the Spirit, it takes time. It takes time. It's not something that we're going to be able to check the box and just move on. It takes time being rooted in the faith. It takes time allowing our spiritual roots to grow and allowing God to bring us through seasons. But when a tree has bloomed and the, and the fruit is as ripe as it can be, what kind of fruit trees do you have out here mostly? Peach. Pe- peach trees? So when the peach tree is blooming, you, you see all those flowers have turned into those peaches, right? And they're, they're nice and ripe. But when the season is changing, that's when the fruit that hasn't been picked starts to fall off, right? So this, ha- this came last night. I was sitting, sitting in the room and the Lord showed me that picture of fruit falling off. And he said, you know, there's seeds in every single one of those fruit. He said, and a lot of times during transitions, That's when my people decide to be quiet because they're going through something. They're going through a difficulty. So they decide to to shut themselves in and say, I need to receive as much as possible right now. And I feel the Holy Ghost just mm, came right here. And the Lord said, during times of transition, it is difficult. He said, but that is when I need them to sow seed the most. He said, because when that fruit is falling off, seeds are just being planted. They're just being spread and multiplication is happening. And a lot of times we want to hold back because we feel like there's not going to be enough for me. I don't know if I'll be able to make it through if I give right now, if I pray for someone right now, if I stretch myself and minister to somebody right now, if I take extra time and go to that person's house, if I bake those cookies and bring them to that convert that did come and then is going through a hard time and I haven't seen them. It, it, it might be difficult for me. I don't know if I can make it but this is the thing about the Holy Ghost when you give you continue to receive give and it shall come back to you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over we use that for giving but it also has to do with ministry because the more you give in ministry the more you minister the more you encourage others the more that you walk in the spirit and let God lead you all of a sudden you're going to feel faith rising in you you're going to feel joy rising in you you're going to feel multiplication in yourself and you'll end up in a place of bountiful blessing more than if you had hoarded anything for yourself thank you Jesus but we've got to stay rooted through it all if we let ourselves be uprooted in times of transition there will be no growth at all and something that can uproot us is a spirit of anxiety timidity feeling like we cannot walk in the boldness that the Lord has destined us to walk in 
Now, there are two words in scripture used for fear. The one I think of right away is the verse that John says. He said, perfect love casts out all fear. There is no fear in love. Now, that word is a Greek word, and it's the word phobos. We can think of like phobia. If someone has, I can't think of any technical terms right now, but like a phobia of snakes. I have a family member who has a phobia of snakes, and her grandson came with a a wooden snake because he loves snakes. And he said, Grandma, look at my snake. And she said, Grayson, Grayson, put it away. Put it away right now. She started having a pan attack right there because she has a phobia of snakes. And that's where we get that word phobia from that Greek word phobos. And what John is talking about, he's talking about the fear of God that the Israelites had. They felt like they couldn't approach him. He was unapproachable. He was too big and too far away. And they feared if they made a mistake, they'd be thrown out of the camp, separated from people. It's that fear of isolation, that fear of being completely alone, that fear of being separated. And John was saying, when you understand what Jesus did for us, that God manifested himself in flesh, came down, died for us, rose again to give us a chance to be with him in his kingdom. When you understand that, you no longer have a fear of God so far away and he's going to strike me with lightning. He said that fear doesn't exist anymore because perfect love, mature love, love that is grown in understanding of who God is, casts out that fear. So that more talks about a a fear of perception of God based on past experience. But there's another word used for fear, and this is the word delius, it could be said in the Greek. And this is faint-heartedness, cowardice, or timidity. Have you ever heard people say, I'm shy. (laughs) You have kids and Your kids are really extroverted and boisterous at home. They're loud and they're screaming and they're singing and they've got their little microphone and they're singing gospel songs in that mic. And then you get them around strangers and say, okay, say hi to the nice minister. Come on, why why don't you say you, she, she always does it. She does it all the time at home. Come on, baby, say hi. She's shy. Since when? (laughs) She was just screaming her lungs out a couple days ago. (laughs) Timidity. Shyness. This is a word picture. It is a lack of mental or moral strength. Lacking courage or self-confidence, boldness or determination. It is an inclination to be silent or uncommunicative in speech. Cowardice or lack of resolution shameful fear generated by a weak and selfish character. Now, I understand there are some of us who are introverted. I understand that. My mom is an introvert. I understand there are sometimes you just don't want to talk to people because you're drained and you just want your time alone to stare at a wall because that's what makes you feel better. I <laughs> see she's nodding right. She's like, yes. <laughs> some of us are introverts. And we're quiet because we're trying to recharge. So timidity is not a matter of being quiet or not quiet. It's a matter of motive. Why am I quiet? Am I being quiet because I'm just trying to recharge? Or have I silenced myself because I really just don't want to give of myself right now? Am I silent because I feel something spiritually holding me back? And if I try to speak out, it's like everything is pressing against me to say something. There is a very strong and 
terrifying verse in Revelation chapter 21. It says, the fearful, which is this word, delius, the, the timid, the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters, that, that's a lot of sins that none of us would ever equate ourselves with. We would say, oh, I would never do those things. I would never let myself be a liar. I would never let myself be an adulterer. That, that's sinful. That's dirty. But it says, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And fear and timidity is the first sin listed. Why is it so serious? I just don't want to talk to people. I just don't want to express myself. Why is that so serious, God? You're equating it with adultery and lying and stealing and cheating on people. I just, I just don't want to express my, I'm just not comfortable. Why is it such a big deal? Jesus used this same word, Delius, when he talked to the disciples. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Let's look at that together. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. King James Version. Jesus, he had just taught a parable about the sower and the seed. And it says, the same day that he taught that parable, when evening was come, he said to them, let's pass over to the other side. That was the word of the Lord. We're going to pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship. So it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they wake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? Why are ye so delious? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this? that even the wind and sea obey him. Now, I want to dissect this story a little bit. First of all, these disciples, most of them were fishermen. Has anybody ever been in a boat before? Yes, okay. So once you've been on a boat one time, it's kind of the same experience. <laughs> My dad used to have a little rubber boat because we couldn't afford a bigger one. And so it would be the three of us fishing out of this small rubber boat. You can't imagine the looks we got at the beach from all these other fishermen. How desperate are you, right? <laughs> but you go out in a boat, you're out on the water, you get experiences out on the water. And the disciples had had experiences before because they weren't novice fishermen like, like me and my family. They weren't out in a rubber boat. They had been in storms before. They had been in rough situations. I'm sure that sometimes the boat had sprung a leak. Remember one time that happened to us. We were out on, a, on our boat. My dad and I, I had no clue. I was at the front. I was enjoying the waves. I looked back and our boat is like halfway full of water. And he said, we didn't put the plug in. And we had to pull over to the side. But I'm sure they had been in situations like that where the boat was filling up. And they had that anxiety, but their father was there or they had hired hands around them and they would fix the situation and everything worked out. So what was it about this trip that made it so much more intense for them? Why is it that the same experience was happening, yet it seemed like a hundred times worse 
even though they had gone through things like this before. What made this situation cause the disciples to question their trust in God? Because most of the time, anxious thoughts that keep us from walking in the spirit are not from our own minds. Or we think they are. We hear anxious thoughts in our minds and we think, oh, that, that's just me. We need to stop claiming anxiety. Look, I, I'm a counselor. I understand. We claim it because we want to identify with it. We want to say it's my anxiety. My de- we need to stop claiming that. That is not yours. That is not, God did not design you to walk in that. God did not ask you to walk in anxiety. He wants you to walk in boldness. I was infuriated. I was, I was sitting with my mom and there were some commercials playing near us. And I looked and they, they have had a new Disney movie coming out. And they've introduced a new character. It's the Inside Out 2. They introduced a new character and that character is called Anxiety. Because they are teaching people in this world that anxiety is just part of life. That's just part of one of the mental voices that regularly speaks into your mind. But as soon as I saw that character, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and he said, that is a demon. He said, that is a spirit. Now, fear is not a bad emotion. There are times when we are afraid and thank God. The reason I don't jump off the edge of the Grand Canyon where there are no guardrails is because I have fear. It's because when I get to the edge, my brain says, you're going to die. Get away from there. Thank God for fear. Thank God for the fear and reverence of God. If we didn't fear God, we wouldn't be able to live a life of holiness. There'd be no motivation for us to go forward in God. There is a difference, though, between fear and anxiety. Fear is based on things that have happened in the past. I know that if I fall off the Grand Canyon, I'll die because that's happened to other people. I've heard the stories. I've seen things. I've read things. And so because of past experiences, now I have a fear of it. Now I know that I need to respect it. When we were in Africa, I didn't go and try to pet the lion because a couple months before I had met someone from South Africa on another trip and she told me, don't pet the lions. All the Americans try to do it. (laughs) But that story instilled a fear in me of the lion and that stopped me. But you know what anxiety is? Anxiety is fear that comes up in your emotions because of things that have not happened. Anxiety lives on a street named What If. And if you go down that street, you'll be paying a visit to the home of anxiety and its playmates, terror and oppression. Because the street of What If is what sends you down that lonely road because you start to think, well, what if they reject me? Well, what if this happens? Well, what if they tell me I can't be a part of the group? What if they give me weird looks? What if they cut me out of their social circle? What if I can't handle this pressure? I've never done something like this before. This is uncomfortable for me. What if I don't have enough energy to follow through? All these what ifs that you have no proof for. That's what anxiety is founded on. Fear has a foundation, but anxiety is a bottomless pit. And that's why you always feel like you're falling. You can't find a place to grab hold to because there is no truth in anxiety. It's all in the mind. It's a battle of the mind. Some of us, we get blessed 
on Sunday. We get filled on Sunday. But then Monday comes and a situation happens in our family or in our job. And that what if, that habit starts to kick in. We start to feel like, well, I can't testify about what God did because they may not like it. And I don't know if that's going to be a good thing for our relationship or I don't know if I can pray that long because I might not be able to meet the quota and then I'll, I might have guilt. And you start laying out in your mind everything that's going to take place, even though you've never tried it before. Some of us have greater fear of the unknown than others. Some of us, when it comes, into, comes to doing a new situation, there is a tremendous fear of the unknown that has to be conquered. And most of the ones I'm talking to with that tendency, you're going to be an introvert. Everything's in your head. But others of us that are more relationship-oriented will jump at the chance. But then as soon as rejection comes, all of a sudden we have a fear because of something that happened to us. Because of something that somebody said. And because of that previous experience, we have a foundation and anxiety begins to build an invisible structure. And it becomes so much bigger than it actually was. We exaggerate it. We exaggerate the consequences. Our mouths have much to do with our ability to walk in full boldness. What we say. Because let's look at what the disciples did. They've already been in storms before. And they know that they can get out of a storm. But it was because of where they were going. And I'm telling you young people right now in the Holy Ghost, it's because of where you are going. Because you have a spiritual calling on your life. Because the enemy can see that if you walk in full boldness, if you walk in what the Lord has destined you to walk in, you're going to take over entire cities. You're going to take over entire principalities in the spirit. It wasn't the storm. It was where they were going because they were about to face a demoniac who had controlled an entire town. And that spirit was about to be cast out and multiplication and revival was about to break out all across that place. And it was because of where they were headed. So when the enemy starts attacking you with anxiety in whatever respect, you have to ask yourself, okay, it's not the situation I'm in right now. Where am I headed spiritually? that the devil is reacting like this because the devil never reacts unless he sees something bigger on the horizon if you have prayed and the enemy sees an answer coming down from heaven he's the prince in the power of the air between where God is and where we are and he sees that answer coming down and he says I've got to do something to make them afraid so they won't be able to receive it I've got to do something to distract them so they won't be equipped when they get there and it's in that moment that we can fall weak. We can let our minds become weak and become emotionally drained. And we are not as effective in ministry. But we become crippled spiritually. And it affected the disciples' faith, but it also affected their speech and their perception of God. Because they said to him, they said, Lord, don't you care? They knew Jesus loved them. They had been watching his miracles and seeing his signs and wonders and talking. He had just chosen them to be his 12 special apostles. He said, I've chosen you. You're called out. And sometimes we receive callings and promises from God. But then when storms come in our life, we begin to question every word that God ever gave us in his presence. And we say, Lord, I don't even know if you care about me anymore. Don't you care? And then they said, you don't care that we perish? Lord, we're going to die we are going to die. We're not going to make it. But Jesus said, we're going to the other side. You are going to make it. 
You are going to make it to the other side. They insulted God's character and his direction because of the storm. And I'm trying to wrap up here. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. says, The wicked flee when no one pursues them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one pursues them. That's anxiety. You're running from something that's not even there because of an insecurity, because of an uncertainty in the heart, because you're like, I don't really know if I can do this or not. But this is the truth. It's not up to us. If it was up to me, I would fail. I can't be a minister. I can't preach to my family in my lifestyle and in my kindness. and in lo- I don't have enough love and kindness within myself. But it's by the power of God that we're able to do what he wants us to do. It's by the boldness of the Holy Ghost. And you know the word boldness, actually, it means, it's a word picture of someone falling down at the feet of someone greater. It's, it's a word picture of coming down. And you know what else in the Bible is a word picture of coming down? It's worship. Boldness is worship. Because worship is trust in God. Worship says, I know I can't do this. I know that I'm weak in my mind. I know that I have a struggle in my mind. But God, I'm going to worship you through this. Because if I can worship God through this, that will give me power, that will give me love, that will give me a sound mind. Because power comes when we worship in the spirit. Love comes when we worship with the body of Christ because it is a connection to one another. When we're in the same building, we're all worshiping. That is a connection. And worship comes with a sound mind because humility is a quiet place. And if someone is a true worshiper and they are worshiping for the right reasons, that's a place of humility. David was a very repentant and humble man, but he was also the one who went in front of the ark of God and danced with all his might. He was a worshiper. That's why he could walk in humility and repentance because he didn't care what people thought of him. Even when his wife came and said, didn't you make yourself glorious in front of all the servants that were standing around? Didn't you make yourself a spectacle? He said, I don't care. He said, I'll get even crazier than this if I have to glorify the Lord. Whatever I need to do to glorify him, because I know worship will keep me in a state of boldness and in spiritual confidence and in an understanding of who God is. Because boldness is when you find your identity in who he is, not in who you are. We rely way too much on who we are, especially in a culture that is so individualistic and so much about what I want and what my future is. We need to drop the I and go up to the I am. We need to start thinking about who he is because when I'm confident in his identity, I'm complete. The Bible says we are complete in him. It's 1045. We're going to pray for a few minutes. But the word of the Lord in this place is he wants to free, especially these young people. But anyone in this place who's been struggling with mental battles in your mind. I'm going to tell you this because I feel to tell you this. I asked the Lord 
to let me feel the angel of the Lord that sometimes comes with me. It's an angel of healing. And last night when I was praying, he came passed over me three times. And I know the Lord said there is an angel of healing that is in this place right now. And it will not be dependent on the presence of God that's here because he is here to heal every single one of you. He is here to give you boldness. He is here to equip you. It's not dependent on him. It's dependent on you. If you're not willing to open up yourself to receive the boldness of the Holy Ghost that is here in this place, he cannot bypass your mind. We have to be able to open our mind to receive that boldness from the Lord and receive that trust from him. This may not be for all of you, but I want everyone to stand in this place. And we're going to close this out in prayer. But if you've been dealing with some sort of cycles in your mind, if you've been dealing with some sort of anxiety, emotional distress, even in the house of God, if you feel like you can't worship, you're held back by this feeling of, I can't express myself because I'm not sure how it's going to appear to those around me. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I I don't know. Even if you have unsaved family and you feel like, I don't know if I can really be with them because they drain me so much. They drain my energy. They drain my ability to hear the voice of God. God wants to give us boldness in every single area of our lives. Not necessarily to preach like Paul did in the synagogues, but to have a presence of the spirit that walks with us where people feel an atmosphere shift. And the Lord wants the storm that's been trying to affect your speech. He wants that storm to lay flat. Because when Jesus is in the boat and your identity rests in him, When he speaks peace, nothing can stand against the creator's word. If we know the creator is in our boat, in our heart, in our spirit, in our identity, there is nothing that can keep us from fulfilling the call of God on our life except for ourselves. So right now, I wonder if we could all lift up our hands and we're going to surrender ourselves to God. We're going to surrender ourselves. If you have the Holy Ghost, I want you to let the Holy Ghost begin to flow. I want you to say, Lord, I surrender myself to you. I surrender every doubt to you. I surrender every fear to you. I give you every thought pattern by the power of your word, by the power of your spirit. Lord, your presence is here to heal and to restore. Your spirit is here to restore, Lord God. And I pray right now, Jesus, that your boldness would begin to make itself manifest in every heart and every life. God, we open up our hearts to you. Lord, we open our hearts to your spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Holy God. Holy God. Worthy Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you.
Some of your mouths are still closed. You need to open up your mouth and lift up your voice. The voice shreds the atmosphere in the spirit. The voice shreds the devil's kingdom. Unlock your voice. Unlock your voice. Unlock your voice. Let it come out of the depths of your soul. Let it come out from the depths of your spirit right now. Now I notice when we're praying, sometimes we expect God to come down and do something. We stay and we, we keep our mouth closed and we just worship the Lord internally and we expect God to come and hit us and all of a sudden, ah, and we're, we're falling out and we're speaking all of a sudden. God will never do that. He's a gentleman. And it's a two-way street. He has boldness to give us. He has healing to give us. But if we do not open ourselves and speak, because if speech can change your atmosphere negatively, positive speech in the spirit can change it positively and it can attract his angels and his strength through what you're speaking now i know that we are used to going going just just a, a short time in prayer and that's okay but we're going to do this one more time we're going to pray one more time and this time i want you to be honest with the lord i want you to speak out to him and i want you to tell him what's been burdening your spirit Whatever it may be, if it's family, if it's your job, if it's a situation, I want you to let him know the burden that you have because the Bible says, cast your burdens upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. But we have to cast it first before he can sustain us. And I want us to do this verbally. If you don't want the other people around you to hear it, that's okay. You can move over to the side. You can kneel down at your chair, whatever you need to do to verbalize it, to vocalize it. Because what you're doing is you are telling God, through my voice, I am giving this to you. Because we claim and we release things vocally. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to release those things to the Lord one more time. Is that okay? Can we do that? Okay, let's lift up our hands one more time. And let's begin to vocalize what's been burdening our spirits. God, I give you my daughter. Lord, I give you my family. God, I give you my inability to rest. God, I give you my stressful job. Lord, I've been stressed at my job. Lord, I don't know if I can keep functioning, God. I give you, Lord, my questioning spirit, Lord Jesus. I give you the doubts in my heart. That's it. That's okay. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. When you're vocalizing, God's going to try to come a little bit deeper. Don't resist it. Let the presence of the Lord begin to come into your spirit. That's it. That's it. Lord, we speak it, God. We speak it, Lord.
don't you reach over and put your hand on somebody right now? Why don't you just reach over and pray for someone? Just reach over to someone next to you and begin to pray and say, Lord, let them receive boldness from your spirit. Let them receive an uplift in their spirit. Let them receive strength in their mind. Speak over their mind. Speak over the strongholds in their mind. If you have the Holy Ghost, you have the creative power of God inside of you. Speak with the power of the Holy Ghost over their mind and over their spirit and over their hearts and over the weariness of their life. Speak over it. There's body ministry happening right now amongst many different groups. There's power in our worship. That's where the boldness is. So now I want us to thank the Lord because we can stay in this mode of talking about how we feel and the negativity and the things we're going through, but we've given it to him. And I want us to worship him. I want us to thank him. I want us to release our voices in worship and thank him. Not just a hand clap. Use your voice. Use your voice. Use your voice. Lift your voice to him. The Bible says lift up your voice to the Lord more than it says to clap unto the Lord. Lift up your book. I wonder if somebody could just take the last 30 seconds and just thank God. Just thank God. Thank him for being with us today. Thank him for being so faithful. Thank him for being in this place. Jesus. 
If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 